Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Tyshar Manethrin, a Wheel of Time podcast. I'm Will. I'm Sam. And today we are just tickled pink to be continuing in a path of daggers. I do feel like we have to say this because we've been poking fun pretty hard at Path of Daggers. We love these books. We really we enjoy do. these books. And, you know, if you feel like you're tired of uh, hearing us poke fun at them, I want you to know it's all in good fun. And, you know, as we progress through the slog, there's going to be less and less of that. This one is is kind of slow. Yeah, um, it is. We're trying to have fun with it. But yeah, I right. mean, it's like it's just true. I mean, it is. Yeah. It is kind of slow. Yeah. So but there's some fun stuff that happens, too. Yeah. Yeah. There's some closer to kind of the interesting things that do occur um, in this book. So um, having said that, I know this this uh, episode is starting us off in Chapter 18. Sam's going to be walking us through and I'll be um, throwing in my thoughts. So, Sam, why don't you start us off? All right. Chapter 18, a peculiar calling. And as well as pretty much said i would rate all of these a skip but feel free to read them i enjoyed reading them but if we're talking about whether or not they have consequence skip is okay um <laughs> off topic immediately i i didn't have a my physical copy of this book was because for some reason this chick needed a bunch of fantasy books at her wedding i'm not sure why anyway covid happened and i never got it back <laughs> uh, and so like i had i had every book and and now i've like i i have them a, I have the rest of the series starting with Winter's Heart, but none of the ones before it. The library is open again. So that was nice. Like, actually, yeah. I could go in. It was nice to, to walk in, pick up a book um, and, you know, stop my child from throwing all the rest of them on the floor. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> so you know, your local libraries is what do, we're doing. Do, please do. I love the library. That's one of my happy places. So I already I'd already listened to the whole thing, you know, with Michael Kramer right. and Kate Redding. But it was nice to have a physical book to take notes with at least mm -hmm. i'm going to take a maybe a little bit of a different tack maybe a quick summary to start and then in depth okay. um except in the case of chapter 18 there isn't all that much to say <laughs> um Egwene talks to some folks seriously that's it <laughs> it's kind of an awkward party after her pronouncement with the endorans and mirandians and they're still kind of mad about that that the Aes Sedai kind of brought the brought their little platform thing so they mm -hmm. were higher off the ground so they're kind of teed off about that elaine romanda romanda are mad that Egwene didn't do what they told her to do a bunch of ladies ask her if she was serious about opening the novice books, including some servants from the Aes Sedai camp. I think my whole first read through, I thought it was Romanda like Amanda. Mm -hmm. So I will say that again. I think um, I said Romanda in the last one. It it kind of looks like Romanda, and but yeah, the Kramer and Redding take right, on Romanda. it is Romanda, which yeah. does sound more fantasy ish. Oh, I was going to gonna say, maybe I, I don't know if I brought this up before. I noticed in this book that. And we may get into this later, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Michael Kramer, his Ileaner accent is like Scottish. Yeah. It's that it is not like the pirate thing. Yeah. <laughs> he really goes all in on like a Scottish brogue uh, for the well, Ileaner accent. And I don't mind it. I good for him. Yeah. yeah. I would be okay with I mean, I, it makes more sense than a whole nation of pirates. I, uh, <laughs> I do. I, I love it whenever Kate Redding does it. She just sounds sounds funny to me. So. Oh, yeah. I love her. Ileana and her Sean Chan are just. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> <Sean kids>. Chan. <laughs> it's just so great. After them, you fools. After them, you fools. Oh, well, I've got to sit down. Oh, <laughs> 
Why is everyone spitting? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, one thing is Swan throws a whole bunch of fishing sayings at Egwene in machine gun rapid fire succession. Really paints a picture, tells a story. Sailing the fingers of the dragon. Gull's last choice for dinner. Set fire on deck. Netting lionfish. Stuff a prickle back down your dress. Way to school of silver pike. Um, <laughs> she would have kept going if Egwene hadn't interrupted her. Which Egwene does interrupt her to say, you're in love with Bren and maybe I should tell him and that shuts her up. Hey, <laughs> then, then Egwene admires the neatly turned calves on a serving man. <laughs> that was a nice little detail there. Like, right. She's, like, yeah. walking by, she's like, oh, hello. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want that moment. I need that moment in the show. I really right. do too. Yeah. yeah. We've got to have Madeline Madden, uh, you know, have a guy walk by right at that. Just like, oh, yeah. yeah. Got some at, per, ca, ca, capri pants there. I look like at it. The, look <laughs> at the calves on that guy. You know, in um, an episode of How I Met Your Mother, there's a whole thing about how Lily, part of the reason that she fell in love with Marshall is because of his calves. Oh, okay. So, there's and there's this moment where he's upset with her. They're, they're broken up at that point. And uh, spoilers for How I Met Your Mother season two, <laughs> by right. the way. Um, <laughs> he wears those pants that have zip off legs. <laughs> You remember those? Like, yes. I mean, they still make them, I guess. But I remember those were kind of a thing. Like we were, were like yeah. middle school, high school. You yeah, could that and the ones you would like. They had the buttons. You could just pull them all the way off right. at once. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That were like the almost like tearaway. I mean, the um, '90s are back apparently, so I'm sure we're not too far away from the tearaway pants. Yeah, it's true. And yeah, anyway, so he like Marshall shows up with the the zip off pants and like takes them off, and he's like massaging his calves, and she's like, oh. <laughs> Oh, well, oh, right. playing fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I think of that every now and then when they talk about well-turned calves. These guys walking by with like their their man prees on you right, know, right, so right. they can show off so the uh, turned calves right <laughs> i just think of uh some reality tv show or other that gets calf implants oh just, man wow just, that sounds uncomfortable. It does. It seems like a really bad idea. I mean, like implants in general. Yes. True. You know, true. No matter what body part gets, right. gets silicone inserted into it. Right. Seems not great. It just seems like that's, you know, the those are muscles that you need to use regularly just right, to get right. around. And you're just adding bulk to them that don't. They're not it, function. It's not functional, right? Like, yeah. Like, just do some, just do some like calf raises, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> right. There's a. There's actually a proven you way can, to. You can build it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so yeah, well-turned calves, guys. That's probably the most important need thing to about this chapter. Definitely. Well-turned calves in the show. Yeah. Um, I hope everybody, as Daniel Green said, is all the cast is working out the calves all the guys <laughs> right right i need, need like them uh, i need mcu level of fitness for calves only right. for calves just like, for calves yeah. yeah chris hemsworth but for calves right yeah yeah, yeah. chris hemsworth from the knees down my friend there you go yeah so next Egwene corners talmanis and grills him about leaving to take the band to do mercenary stuff in murindy she doesn't exactly need the band anymore but she likes to have them close gives her extra options talmanis tells her that she changed the border today that it's always been fluid between andor and murindy but not anymore talmanis says that rodron wants the band a foreign army to sit and wait while he unites the Murin Mirandian nobles. Probably Matt will show up to take the band somewhere else before anything happens. Promises not to start a war there and then at her best. And 
asks if Egwene is Tavirin herself. Nope. The Amarillan seat is quite enough for anyone. Um, <laughs> so people start to notice the Amarillan seat talking to the leader of the band of the Red Hand. So she kind of mingles a little bit more, talks to some more nobles, including Pelivar, and says, you must be pleased to hear that Elaine is on her way to Camelin. He says uh, she has a claim to the throne, which confuses Egwene because Elaine had always talked about Pell like a favorite uncle, and he supported her mom's claim. So she didn't really understand why he didn't wouldn't support hers. Egwene says, tells some serving person to find Shiriam and get everyone mounted, no matter what it takes. Get them on the road. <laughs> I do like how it's like, are you sure you're not Tavirin? Which is almost, I, I feel like, a little self-awareness coming in from yeah. Jordan. Like, yeah, I know I'm pushing it a little here. That this would all just, <laughs> yeah. all of every everybody's totally cool with her doing all this stuff. Right, Everything's right. working together. The plot armor is strong for a Right, yeah. yeah. More yeah. so than like Elaine and Nynaeve. I mean, I feel like they get pushed around and and beat up more i agree than yeah. Egwene. yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i kind of feel like i, I kind of feel like they that the emphasis on Egwene's time with the aiel is so important to yeah, sure. her later success like yeah, she's, I think, she has those moments of humility and being brought low early on and then right. that yeah it kind of like pushes her to yes. succeed success later. Exactly. She's had that experience that these others haven't had. It gives her an advantage, I suppose. True that. Uh, so chapter 19, The Law. And is this the chapter? I think. I mean, yes. it's one this of is them. The, this is the, I would say this is a read. This one, yes. I, this is the Aes Sedai Politican chapter I genuinely enjoyed. Yes. So I will say this is, this is an exception to the slog. Uh, this is like one of the later chapters of Rand's that is just good. Yeah, uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. It still has it still has a lot going on, but it, a lot of these these kind of plots have been building to this chapter. So, right, let's get into it. Gawain sets a brisk pace back to camp, and uh, Gareth Bryn matches it along with the guards. So the Aes Sedai have to as well to keep up. They're clustered together around Ramonda and Lane, presumably scheming to take a lot of Gawain out when the hall convenes, or you know. Give her a talking to or something. All according to Egwene's plan, naturally, her and Swans. Um, gotta hand it to them. They're two steps ahead of these ladies consistently so far. Right. Swan says, the light burn all horses when Bella lurches in the snow. Just terrible at riding. Like me in cars. No will, in case you're wondering, my driving skills have not <laughs> improved very much in 15 years. <laughs> I just, I remember watching S Sam because we, we, we were uh, on our way back from a camping trip and got pulled over and his wallet was in the back of his truck. Oh, and man. so I was just so nervous as he got out, <laughs> hands raised, like... <laughs> we had been like, camping, hadn't, hadn't uh, showered and like yeah. just looked thrown away yeah that was uh first, um, this is my first ticket unfortunately not my last ticket I've, yeah i've had a lot of tickets <laughs> it's okay <laughs> you know it's one of those things at some point you just sort of embrace it like i don't right. have any preconceived notions that i'm good at driving anymore so i like right I'm more careful <laughs> yeah it doesn't stop me from getting tickets still but uh, no, no yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. The, I'm the same way now i'm like you know when I was a teenager, I thought I, I, I thought I was like, you know, yeah, a good driver. Exactly. <laughs> I've been disabused of those notions. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Swan definitely is the same way. Shiriam hasn't found out much about the Aes Sedai and Ander with Tower Guards rumor that Egwene had heard. 
when she is talking to some servants. I don't know if I'd mentioned that or if I, which chapter that was in. But she dismisses it as a rumor. Takes the opportunity to say, didn't you ever learn to ride, Swan? You'll be too sore to walk. Egwene says, shut up. Both of you shut up. As she realizes that if Elida really did mean to confront them, the force would be too large to hide. So that leaves one alternative for these so-called Aes Sedai with Tower Guards and Andor, that Elida has sent sisters to the Black Tower. Which Uh-oh. seems like a heck of a intellectual leap, but you can see how she got there, and also mm-hmm. she's right. <laughs> we know that. Right. First, no, but yes, <laughs> right. Like, how did you put? That? No, that doesn't. Yes, that's true. But so Egwene thinks. There's no point in worrying about that right now. Got to deal with Elida. Uh, Got to uh, was it cook the chicken in front of you? Whatever the heck the particular turn of phrases <laughs> look at the turn well-termed calf that as the ser- <laughs> this particular servant walks by and <laughs> i don't know yeah so this i was i have another paragraph here talking about how great this chapter is but blah blah, blah blah gareth Bryn offers to stay by her side when they get to the camp but Egwene says tonight is for eyes to die business uh and also you know if you don't hear anything from swan you might want to get out of dodge um if i get blamed it might reflect on you too Gareth Prince says, no, I gave my word till Tar Valen or bust. And that, <laughs> that, and he didn't say that exactly, but me writing that reminded me of a title of a Tad Williams fantasy book, To Green Angel Tower. I never got all the way through it, but I thought it had a cool name. Um, hmm. Listeners, any of y'all fans of Tad? I can't imagine having a name like Tad. I just, just Tad. Tad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and the, the idea that there's somebody at some point who will have grandchildren named Tad. Oh, like, yeah. That that would be a grand Tad. Um, <laughs> oh, man. That's, you just, you don't have to go by G-Dad or, or Papa or whatever. You just be... Yeah, grand Tad. Grand Tad. <laughs> if, if, my name were, if my name were Chad, I would totally go by Grand, grand Chad. Chad. Yeah, sure. Like, I mean, the and the idea that there are, like, grandfathers named Chad is hilarious to me. Like, by <laughs> that itself. is. It does seem wrong. Like, yeah. Chad shouldn't be a granddad. Yeah, He's Chad. Chad <laughs> right. Chad should be, a, like, a college dude or uh-huh, college-age dude. dude who's dropped out. Yeah, <laughs> don't tase me, bro. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. Chad. Oh, listeners, if your name is Chad, uh, write in and tell us what your experience has been being named yes. Chad. You know, how's and that same gone? with people named Karen. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I have a uh, Rachel. My, my wife's uh, aunt's name is Karen. And I wonder how she feels about being named Karen today. I was just discussing it with a Karen friend of mine last oh, night. Oh, yeah. What she? How does she feel about it? She's not crazy about it. She feels <laughs> like it's become a bit of a slur. Yeah. And I, I understand, you know, I mean, like, I wouldn't love it if suddenly... Yeah, we referred to jerk dudes as wills. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden. Karen uh, rolls off the tongue in a certain way that's very satisfying. I think names like Will and Sam are just not right. as it, there's vulnerable no hard, to that. Yeah. Right. We don't have hard consonants in our names. Yeah, so that's it's, true. Yeah. We we tend to be hero names, in fact. Right. Right. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Gwen has done some true Aes Sedai level scheming to get to this point. As we've seen some, but really, you know, we haven't known what her end game was up in or directly. It wasn't spelled out. We could kind of guess. Before going to the hall, she asked Swan if there's anything left that they could have done. Nope. Swan wants to talk about Gareth Bryn. Please don't tell him. He'd take <laughs> advantage. And she says, oh, not like that. He'd make my life the pit of doom. 
McGuain thinks that Swan can be a bit of a prude. <laughs> Swan pouts about it a little, uh, but then changes the subject to the hall. Timing is everything, and if Egwene lets Ramonda or Lelaine take control of the conversation, she'll never get it back. Um, she kind of gives some background on Ramonda, says that she wanted to be Amerlin once, and when someone else got it, that was the reason Ramonda retired. She's like, fine take my toys and go home. <laughs> and I guess the chance of having power again is why she came back out of retirement. And I have a nice typo here. Egwene calls a question. I was trying to say of the hall and I said, for the hall. Egwene <laughs> calls a question for the hall. Uh, yes, she do. <laughs> who will stand to declare war on Elida? And she does it before they go around and name everybody, which is just, that's the thing everyone's shocked about. They're like, you broke our tradition. Right. And uh, Lelaine says, we don't declare war on individuals. Um, so I call to shelve your question because it's dumb. And while we deal with your little novice pronouncement. And Ramonda tries to jump in and interrupt. But Gwen interrupts them both and says, a question of war cannot be shelved. It must be answered before any other. And she has some chick. I forgot her name. Takima? Ta- uh, is it? I don't know. Yeah, Ta- I think, Ta- I think Ta- it's... Vain. Is it? Uh, I think uh, it's Takima because she's like the... She's the brown sister. She's like an expert on everything to Takima. do with Takima, yes, it is. Okay, I did have yeah. that in my notes. She says, do you... Can you confirm that this is the truth? We have to dis- We have to solve this question... Answer this question before any others. And she's like, yes... Most people didn't know that you had to do that because the tower hasn't declared war on anyone since the time of Arthur Hawkwing, in which case they declared war on Arthur Hawkwing. And other times they've like sent tower guards to like assist in wars, but not declared war on anyone themselves, kind of holding themselves apart from war, from declaring war directly. So Takima confirms this is the law, and Egwene has the floor to explain her position. And she passionately says, basically, people doubt us because they aren't certain who we are or what we're about. We've listed Elida's crimes and said we intend to remove her, but they still kind of have doubts. Maybe we're puppets of Elida. Maybe this is all part of an elaborate Aes Sedai scheme. But if we do this, we remove all doubt that this is not. And that was even something that the Andorran noble said, like, I don't know if I should trust you guys or if you're just, you know, working for Elida. And so that does ring true for at least a good chunk of the sitters and lesser consensus stands war is declared against Elida Doavrini uh, Royhan Ramonda says great now let's get back to what I want to talk about and Vogloin says no we cannot because when war is declared I have absolute power and Takim is like oh yes you do so so <laughs> this is this is just the D&D game where <laughs> Right. (laughs) Where like somebody has invoked like the most obscure rules and the dungeon master has to go like look them up and be like, right. Oh, dang it. He rolls his eyes like, yeah. Okay. I remember trying to do that once and it backfiring horribly and dying. And they're like, well, I guess I'll go home now. Like physically, like you guys keep playing. (laughs) I'm dead now. (laughs) (laughs) That was a mistake. So, but no one realized that that gave Egwene unlimited power to do whatever the heck she wanted, as long as it is in the name of stopping Elida. And this is like the president having the power to fight terror, you know, as long as there's a war to work called or whatever, you know, right. the various wartime the Patriot powers. Act, basically. The Patriot yeah. Act. Thank you. That's what I was trying to think of. Naturally, everyone is stunned because Egwene has been playing the tame puppet this whole time, except for the other time, which we talked about, which is confusing. Um, <laughs> so there's a bunch of going around the room, giving the no-name Aes Sedai reactions that are crucial to moving the plot forward. But uh, Egwene says, 
what well, the, well, the first thing we're going to do is stop here for a month and let the soldiers rest. And they're like, oh, and Takima says, oh, good. And Gawain says, and the next thing we're going to do is travel to Tarvalin and lay siege to the White Tower, um, <laughs> to which Delana pukes over over her shoulder. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that's a good reaction to things. So, yeah. And, and I guess what... There's a bit of reality in this that yeah, I, yeah. I at least see in my my own experience in life of, you know, in my job in different places dealing with different kinds of people who manage people differently and yeah. everything. They're, I'm like, what were the other Aes Sedai thinking they were going to do? I know. Yeah. They're like, this is just a minor detail. It's not important. Right. Like, and like, did they not, did they think they were going to be able to just keep on going without confronting Elida, without eventually somehow going back to the tower? Yeah. It isn't clear what their plan was other than and, to like take power from each other. Right. Like, I mean, I guess at, at one point, earlier i think it may have been all the way back in like lord of chaos i think naive actually kind of calls them out on not having a plan and yeah, for sure yeah she kind of like has a tirade in true but, naive fashion right and so it kind of it, in one way it's like very real and very frustrating to me that they they don't none of them have a plan none of them have right, like right. A, here's what we're gonna do next yeah like this is my plan i, I think it's a better plan no it's just right. like petty squabbling lots exactly. of that exactly yeah and so it's just it's more of a wrestle for control <laughs> but with no idea of how we're going to move forward once that control is decided and so right right um, wouldn't know what to do with the car if he caught it Rocking dog or whatever kind of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, there's something about this that all feels very real to me. Again, I I think I enjoy the parts of the Egwene story about her being Amarlin and going through all that she goes through. And even in the next couple of books, because... Well, there's a lot of boring stuff like, you know, meetings that are just what are we talking about? Yeah, we have to, exactly. Yeah. There, there's stuff like this, too. Yeah. Where, these awesome moments where like everything, the payoff of right. all the scheming. Yeah. Yeah. And I do I do feel like there is some reality in this of dealing with a if anybody who's ever been part of an organization or part of a, a company or whatever, where they actually believe in what they're doing. Um, but at the same time, they're not living up to their potential. Right. I, I feel like can identify with what Egwene goes through throughout the latter half of these books. Yeah, feeling like imposter syndrome and then like right. kind of growing into the role kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also dealing with, and, and I don't know, maybe there's, there is kind of a stereotype that our generation, a lot more of us ended up in management or leadership roles earlier. And, right. um, uh, I, th- I think there's some way in which I, I feel a little bit of kindredness with Egwene in the sense of having to figure out how to be respectful and deal with people who are more experienced than you, who are more knowledgeable, but also haven't taken the initiative up to this point. For sure. And so how do you do that and be assertive with those kinds of folks that are more experienced than you and everything? And you and you have good reason to be intimidated by them. Um, but at the same time, it's the role you're in. It's your job to grab hold of things and say, all right, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, even if they don't want you to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's a a good point i like that <laughs> I, f- I feel like I, I can i can apply i can apply that concept to my own life a little bit <laughs> well that's what i'm saying is like i as i was reading this i was finding myself thinking about one of the topics that i like to read on in nonfiction is organizational health and leadership and things like that that's kind of a one of my random 
areas. And so it was funny to me, like reading these parts and seeing what I felt like were like a true example of a toxic organization. The yeah, both sure. Tower in Exile and the Tower proper yeah. have toxic traits while having good goals, clearly, you know. <laughs> sure, um, sure. And and having lots of good people involved in them. I felt like it was like in one way, this is all just kind of a parable. You know, listeners forgive me, this is all just sounds boring and pedantic. But I I just think it's a, could could be seen as a as kind of a parable for that kind of organizational health that could be applied to business or, or nonprofits or anything really. I like that. You know, I think that fiction, fantasy, whatever, is at its best when it's successfully portraying real life, like, you know, the, the, the types of problems that normal people have, right. You know, and this is an example of that. And, you know, yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, wizards and witches that are, or whatever, you know, I said, I, who are, who are squabbling, but it like in the, in the moment, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just like, that's just a, a framing so that you can tell the story. And, you know, I think, sure. I think surely Jordan had that sort of thing in mind when he was writing this. Well, he may have had it in mind and don't bring Shirley into this. (laughs) I made that joke today. (laughs) My wife gets mad at me. I always make it. Chapter 20 into Andor. What it says on the 10. Back to the Supergirls. They're at Elaine's estates in Camelin. Uh, Lan pulls the Sean Chan crossbow bolt out of Birgitta's thigh and says, Tyshar Kandor, because she dresses Kandori. Um, but she's never been there because it didn't exist when she was last alive. So, oopsie. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, yes. Yeah, yes, Kandor. Kandor. Mm, yes, I'm going to go that Google is where that I later. Am from. I'm going to go look at that Wikipedia that page. place, <laughs> city, <laughs> some, country. I'm learn some facts about that. <laughs> <laughs> to have for dinner parties. <laughs> uh, so the entourage rides toward Camelin and not much happens. Lots of rumors about who will get the Lion Throne. Elaine messes around with the Tyrangriel they found, well, with several that they found in the storeroom. At one point, she passes out and wakes up in her bed. Nobody will tell her what happens, but everyone thinks it's hilarious. So she did something embarrassing and can't remember it. Sounds like the time I got my wisdom teeth out and cussed out a nurse. While I was on codeine or laughing gas or whatever it was, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they were not happy with me. They were not happy. I don't remember it. So <laughs> honestly, I'm I'm scouring this chapter for anything else to talk about, and it's a lot of traveling. There's some drama with the kin. I think not worth mentioning. Mentioning. Uh, Renile forces Marililla to start training the Windfinders and treats her like a servant. Uh, the kin are appalled by this turn of events, but they're also starting to see the Aes Sedai more like people than they used to, which is problematic for controlling them. <laughs> Elaine and Nynaeve go to Salidar in the World of Dreams and find in a note from Egwene that says, Stay in Camelin and be silent and careful. So that's it. They're in into Andor. That's... You can certainly skip it. <laughs> Chapter 21, Answering the Summons. We're back to our boy, Mr. Althor. Nope, not Matt. We have no idea what he's doing this book. Not right? one single perspective of anyone in Igudar yes. after yeah. the Sean Chan invade, which is insane. And Matt is probably the one that I hear the most of people saying that like he's their favorite character. Yeah. And having him basically not absent. Present. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy for a whole book. Yeah, we will catch up with him in chapter 15 of Winter's Heart. Which, to be fair, we do that with Perrin earlier in the series. Yeah, Um, yeah, that's true. 
but it i don't know it feels different this time it feels like we should be checking in <laughs> yeah and it was just and you know it, it always is no fun because functionally we end up going back in time in chapter 15 of winter's heart right. to catch matt up on what's been going on <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that's, I, I mean that's one of the things that you kind of run into out the you know winter's heart and then i mean across the roads of twilight the first like 23 chapters are checking in with everybody yeah like right after what happens at the end of Winter's Heart. Winter's Heart. Yep, 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 yep. That is true. So uh, Rand has sent for a bunch of Ashaman who ride out of a gateway in a column. They're led by a dude named Charles Gedwin. He calls himself Sorovan Mahal, meaning storm leader in the old tongue. Uh, Rand thinks it's appropriate to the weather, at least. (laughs) Uh, Dude has zero respect for Rand and shows it, though he follows commands. Just a little snide disrespect behind every response. Um, He brought eight dedicated and 40 soldiers, enough soldiers with a capital S, enough to destroy an army or cow 10 kings. What about king 10 cows <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, what is what would that mean i don't um, know just okay. put a yeah. crown on top of a cow's head uh, <laughs> why do you need anyone at all you could do this yourself Rand responds in the same tone do what you're told and don't ask questions gedwin's second in command is named manel or but he calls himself Bajan Mahale or attack leader. I mean, is the guy who has to clean the bathrooms the toilet leader in Old Tongue? I mean, like, jeez, man. Luce Theron puts in that you should kill him before he kills you. Rand pushes the voice away and says, I can't afford to go mad, mad yet. And Luce Theron says, when then? <laughs> <laughs> so begins Rand's plan to push the Sean Chan back. Wyroman gives a speech. No one cares. Long paragraph size speech. Asks why, where they're going. The city, Rand snaps. Very specific. Ilian, in this case. Uh, Rand seizes Sidene to travel and sees Double fighting a wave of dizziness. The Ashaman leaders watch him and, and maybe notice his struggle. Narishma shows up with a long-wrapped bundle that he gives to Rand. Uh, Rand asks if anyone saw him, and Narishma says, It took a while to figure it out because you didn't tell me everything. You nearly killed me. <laughs> okay. Rand thinks, Yes, I did tell you everything. And he says, tell anyone about this and I will kill you. Narishma says, as you command, Lord Douchebag. I'm Lord Dragon. (laughs) Uh, So the next morning, a small army marches out of Ilion and Wyroman complains that they have foot soldiers that will scatter at the first charge. Shut up, Wyroman. Dashiva weaves a gateway. Everyone starts to realize where they are. They're on uh, the western side of Ilion toward Lugard. And so then Davron Bashir shows up with... uh, with some folks, and he, Rand, trusts him. Some more of the Ilion or nobles that Rand doesn't trust, but keep your enemies close and all that, are there as well. Bashir asks what the plan is, and Rand says, we got to do some fighting, so it might as well be people I don't trust that are involved. (laughs) (laughs) Bashir is not hopeful that things will go well. (laughs) And that's the end of answering the summons. So on to chapter 22 here. 22, Gathering yeah. Clouds. Gathering Clouds, yeah. So we're still, we're, we're, we're winding up to kind of the big big moment here. I did have, not much happens. Uh, we're about to get to some really cool stuff. One the really the only things of, of real import that happens is uh, Rand's talking to some noble ladies whose names I've forgotten. And one of them sort of lets slip that she knows that Rand you know, cares more about the ladies and doesn't want them to get hurt. And this is just shocking to him. He's like, 
you know that you know about that <laughs> like, dude yes who told you who said, I, I don't care about women you, and you can die all you want who cares it's like dude how do you not realize that that's so obvious yeah. the other things that happen is an archer tries to kill him it was that one of the dudes from Semael's army that like you know was the leader of the little the little I don't know his name the leader of the uh, the the rebellious group that said they would join Rand's army turns out he was bribed um, although we can't we no one gets to ask him who bribed him uh, because he's been blown apart by Saeed so yeah it's, that's hate it when that happens tiny detail the end of this chapter we switch to a Sean Chan captain perspective dude who is apparently quite experienced in Sean Chan and like there was a lot of rebellions that he helped put down so we kind of get the idea that he actually knows what he's about and um, we'll see how that goes you know whether or not Rand's plan will be successful given that someone on the other side is actually competent uh, Rand is continues to have trouble like channeling and can't even kill the archer dude somebody else has to do it for him and it's like the ashaman like can tell that he's having trouble they're like you know you can tell they're probably thinking he's going crazy already and maybe he is you know who knows basically ends with the ashaman say that the sean chan have been located so we're gonna go fight him and it's time to go fight him so that's the end of the chapter and that's the end of our section for this uh for this podcast Always want to remind you that you can contact us. Go to our website at tsmpodcast.com. Fill out our contact form. Say nice things, and we will mention you on our next show update off topic spoiler episode if you have any other other like corrections or concerns or questions um we love to entertain those so please 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 um send them our way you can also contact us via facebook instagram or twitter at podcast tsm and all those platforms um also find us on youtube if we get enough people to get a vanity url sam and i might do a live stream sometime heck yeah so thank you so much for listening and until next time Ty Sharma Netherin.